Come on. <laughs> yeah. Who? Who? Welcome back, everybody. Buddy. 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 It's Friday. Friday. Day. Day. Okay, well, stop that. <laughs> that means it is time once again to preview another card. A big one. A pay-per-view already. Mm. Headlined by Davis and Figueredo. Huh? He just Wait. headlined a card three weeks ago. Challenged by Brandon Moreno? Huh? Who just fought three weeks ago. Oh, 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 oh. Quickest turnaround in UFC history for a champion and a title challenger. It's history going in down. the making. It's history in this the making. This Saturday, UFC 256. They're fighting for the World Flyweight title. Co-main. Tony Ferguson versus mm. Charles Oliveira. Mm. That deservedly a spot on the poster, despite mm. it not being a title fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A high-profile matchup. Oh, and very. many more. We are going to be previewing... This is a record for us. This is a record. Eight fights in this episode. Yes. And it's very fitting because... Noah? Episode 50. Oh, wow. Right here, right now. Episode 50. Historical pay-per-view, historical mm-hmm. championship fight, big announcement that we'll talk about later, and right now, episode 50. Halfway to triple digits. It's crazy. Who would have thought? Wow. Nice. So we just yeah. roll right in. Yeah. I mean, we're going to start No better way. With everyone's favorite segment, the news. The news. And you know what? News segment wasn't looking too popping up until... Today. Basically, a few hours before we started recording. But we're going to start with our fight announcements, of course. Kayla Harrison. Mm. We know her. We do. We're best friends with her. Yeah. She, she was just a simple a walk from our house to her house. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, she had been wanting another fight in 2020. I said I thought it would happen. I said I didn't. Yep. She got it. She did. I was wrong. She's fighting next week mm-hmm. against Josette Cotton. This is at Titan FC 66. It's a rematch. She got her fight. She did. That's all you can ask for, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is, uh, you know, all the respect in the world to Josette, but she's already been beaten by Kayla. So um, I don't think we're going to be thinking that anything less than Kayla Smith here. Yeah. Now, Kayla said she wanted to do a catch weight at 150. I don't know the specifics on this fight, but I'm guessing it's at 150 or 155. It's not another featherweight fight. I do know that. Yeah. So uh, I'm very happy to see Kayla getting back in there. Good for her to try to stay active at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully this can spring her into some bigger things in 2021. And, I mean, at this point, Kayla Harrison's really making a name for herself. She's not fighting in huge promotions. I mean, the PFL's good. But now that the PFL has not been able to put on shows, she's fighting at these smaller cards in Invicta, mm-hmm. Titan FC. But her her personal stardom is growing. Oh, yeah. 100%. Especially when she has a performance like she did in her last fight where she... I mean, that looked like a damn wrestling match. Yeah, it did. Like, when it came to her opponent, how bloody she was. She looked like Shawn Michaels yeah. going up against Triple H back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, damn... So, very happy to see Kayla Harrison getting back in there, of course. Shout out to Josette for taking that fight. By yeah, me. I mean, again, she is also taking this fight on, what, a week's notice? Yeah, if there's one person I'm not taking a fight on short notice with, it's Kayla Harrison. And, that, she's, been, and she's been in there with her. So, yeah. I guess if you want to talk about Cotton's chances in, in this 
uh, matchup. It really is the fact that she's seen it. She's seen what Kayla has. Yeah. Now, Kayla's probably improved insurmountably since their first fight. But it's still worth noting that Cotton's probably improved. Yep. And she's seen some of, like, a lot of that, that strength, that ability to get her to the ground. She'll be ready for it, you would think. We said that I thought the same thing with, like, uh, JDR going up against Amanda Nunes the yeah. second time and didn't really turn out that way. So, looking forward to that. Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. Next up, we had a big fight for UFC 257 that was one of our fighters has dropped. Mm-hmm. And we have an addition, so the fight's still happening. Michelle Waterson, who just won a, one of the best fights of the year mm-hmm. just a couple months ago against Angela Hill. She's out of her big matchup against Amanda Rebus that was happening on UFC 257, the Connor Poirier card. But she's been replaced with Marina Rodriguez. Now, on paper, what I'll say is I think this is a like a step back for Rebus. Like Marina Rodriguez is good, but Rob, but uh, I'm gonna Rodri- go uh, Rodriguez coming off that loss. She um, we haven't seen her since and she didn't look particularly mm-hmm. great against um oh who she it was Carla yeah Carla Esparza Watterson did look really good with uh Angela Hill mm-hmm. debatable if she won the fight but both women looked great so I think Rivas gets a I don't want to say it's an easier matchup because again styles make fights yeah and, and it's a totally new style yeah now. but um and also Rodriguez is a still tough opponent but I think that this is on paper and even more realistic win for Rebus than when she was going up against Watterson. Yeah, both both these ladies only one loss on their record. Amanda's ranked ninth. Marina was eighth or is eighth. Michelle is number seven. So really, it's not like Amanda lost a boost. I didn't realize Marina was that high. Yeah, I mean, before the fight with Carla was undefeated. I should probably put some more respect on her name, and maybe that means I need to put more respect on Esparza's name because Carla she's does, still getting it done. Yeah, but I I just didn't see a lot from her in that Esparza fight. She just she just yeah. didn't really. I mean, I that was all veteran. We really team. thought she was going to win, and she just didn't show anything really. Mm-hmm. And like again, we talk about mid fight adjustments a lot. That was a, a fight that it just seemed like she had none. And you're going up against Rivas, who's very active and dangerous on the ground. Yeah. So a lot of know, hype behind her. Right Esparza now. has a great ability to get the fight to the ground, but you're not necessarily going to see her throw on a ton of submissions, Rebus will do that all day. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I'm still that, excited for it. That Marina's going to be a good test for Amanda's uh, striking because Michelle was going to be as well. So that's a good thing with both matchups that Amanda had. She's, we're going to get to see her get tested on the feet a lot. So yeah. that's the good thing. Yeah, for sure. Great fight. Like, either way, of course, we all wanted to see Michelle and Amanda. Everybody loves Michelle Watterson. Yeah. But this is still a fantastic fight. Definitely going to be main card, too. Yeah. The UFC's loving Amanda Reebok. It's a great fight for that main card. Oh, know? yeah. Um, I'm glad to see that it looks like we might be getting a bit more of a stacked Connor card than we did in his last one against mm-hmm. Cowboy. Um, that card was just... Not that it wasn't good. I mean, you had names on there, but it's just like... They kind of let Connor's name just do the... Yeah, do the talking. Yeah. I mean, when you have him even going up against Cowboy, who even at that time, before a couple of his last losses, people really didn't really didn't think he had much of a chance. And, you know, you co-main it with, like, Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington, yeah. which wasn't... Yeah, that was the Wasn't a great fight. I mean, you had Anthony Pettis, Diego Fajero on there. That was a great fight, but... 
Um, I'm glad to see that. It looks like they're going a little bit more all out in this one. I mean, they're looking to do it in Abu Dhabi, potentially fans, potentially International Fight Week. It's looking like it's about to be a huge pay-per-view to, to kick off 2021. Mm-hmm. Our last fight announcement, a big fight at lightweight. I am very, very excited about this one. Islam Makachev, he was originally scheduled, well, not originally, he was previously yeah. scheduled to headline a fight night that just happened with Rafael Dos Anjos. However, he had to pull out of the fight in step Paul Felder. That's where you get all the that storyline, how everybody is, loves Paul Felder now even more than they did before. So he doesn't get to rebooked with uh, RDA. He didn't get a Felder fight or you know some of those fights we had thought he might get. Instead, he gets Drew Dober. Who has also been having some falling outs of yeah. his own with fights. He was uh, scheduled to fight, uh, wasn't it, Benil Dariush? Yep. And then, or wait, I think was it Diego Ferreira? It was Diego Ferreira. Yeah, Dariush was uh, Charles Oliveira, Yeah, actually. so Diego Ferreira, who would have, been, would have been a big matchup for him, especially if you look at the rankings. Um, but instead he gets Makachev here, and this is a barn burner of a matchup, I will this, say. This is a really good fight. Drew's 15th, Islam's what 13th so i mean it makes sense there mm-hmm. islam's tough man i'm ready to see him back he hasn't fought since september of last yep. year he's on a six fight tear drew dover's on a three fight winning streak right now a clash of styles this is a really fun fight when i look at these two fighters islam's ceiling is much higher than drew dover's in mm-hmm. my opinion yeah but we've seen already drew dover how good he's been as of late and how good he can be mm-hmm well, for Islam, there's still a lot of untapped potential, and it's a lot of seeing it. We hear about it a lot. We hear how great he is in the gym, you know, Daniel Cormier, guys like that, talking him up. And when he's performed, he's looked really good. But we still, you know, there's still a lot to be learned about how good Islam might be. This is be. supposed to be AKA's next up, you know, next champion. Yeah, so. I mean, there are a lot of, he's mini Habib, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's looked at as like the next guy. So this will be a big step in that direction for him. It's a lot him. of pressure to have, too. Yeah, I mean, fighter. I know that Makachev is ranked above Dover, but this feels like a step up from who he's been fighting previously. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think it is a test for him. And for Dover, you know, not to compare apples and oranges here, but I'm a believer now more than ever in the whole, the guy who maybe at times has looked like a bit of a journeyman or a bit of a 500 fighter. Who kind of hits that surging run? Yeah, everybody can have their run. No better example than this year, Jan Blahovic, yep. who I have counted out for like his last five fights due to that 500 status. That guy who just never could get over the hump, and then he goes on to knock out like four straight opponents, whatever it is, and wins a title against someone who we thought beat John Jones. So you know, it's like after you see that kind of story play out. There's no reason that Drew Dober can't and won't present a challenge here. In this win streak that Dober's on, the three-fight win streak, all via KOTKO. Yeah, exactly. Scary. He's looked really good. That Alex Hernandez fight in yeah. particular. Yeah. You know, Hernandez is, look, I know he, he... That's a big name, though. I know he got dropped off his pedestal a little bit against Cerrone, but that guy is good. Oh, yeah. And he even proved it since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, was it Giga Chikadze or something like that? Just a couple, it was like uh, last month, I think. I forget who he fought now, but uh, he, he knocked... He knocked somebody out in like a minute or something. I think it was his last fight, yeah. It was really good for performance out of him, but you saw Dober like dominated him basically mm-hmm. and knocked him out basically on his feet. So 
I'm really excited for this. Uh, it's been verbally agreed to March 6th. So March is again being stacked up that, right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. So that'll be a very fun fight to potentially co-main a fight night or something. Yeah. And then for the rest of the news, uh, we're going to start with Tony Ferguson, uh, who we will be talking a lot about later. Mm-hmm. No worry, he's not out of the fight. Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on this, Dom. Basically, he... We, we, you know, everybody's been really excited about this Ferguson Oliveira fight for good reason. Mm-hmm. Well, out of nowhere, Tony posts this rant on Twitter. Uh, essentially, you know, I won't say it word for word, but essentially he had caught wind that Oliveira was, a pe- was potentially going to be missing weight. And he basically said that if Oliveira does miss weight, then he won't fight him. Rightfully so. If I'm Tony, I wouldn't. He's been taking a lot of risks lately. But uh, let's just get the you know, first things first. We hope Oliveira doesn't miss weight. <laughs> yes. Because this fight needs to happen. He did respond. Yes. And well, basically said, like, Tony needs to worry about himself. And yeah. That is is he about... calling me out for my weight because maybe he's having his own issues with weight? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little... So if he's responding in that kind of fashion, it's going to look really bad if he does miss weight. Yeah, also true. So, uh... I don't think he's going to. I do believe that maybe, um, I believe what maybe happened here is that Oliveira's probably, and he's a guy who's never missed weight before. Mm-hmm. just want to put that out there. I believe his camp, maybe, and him have noticed he's a little bit heavier than yeah, he usually is. Yeah, and he is. took this on short notice. And he, they probably told the UFC ahead of time that he was coming in heavy. Yeah. And, might, and maybe they said might miss weight or will, I don't know. But I bet Tony got hurt, got wind of that. Yeah. And it pissed him off. Oh, yeah, 100%. And rightfully so. Yeah. You know, so I get it. Everybody has their reasons. Like, I, I don't, you know, I know some fighters are about, like, no excuses. And I, tr- I try to stand by that. But I don't cut weight for a living. So I don't, I know it's a very tough process. And I know mm-hmm. that different things can happen that can really affect a weight cut. So, especially in this year where everything seems compromised. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to judge Oliveira too harshly, but uh, not a great look to if he did if he does end up missing weight. Considering his camp, you know, Tony tweeted this. What was this two days ago? A couple days ago, yeah. So you had time, you know, and I'm assuming Tony Ferguson was one of the last people to hear about it, mm-hmm. as far as in that inner circle. So uh, that means they probably have known for days before that that's what they were going to say. So it's not a great look that's like, oh, are you really just going to basically give up on this? Like, are you saying that you're just going to miss weight on purpose? You know what I mean? Like, that's a real thing. You get you get 20 of your percent of your purse taken, 30% of your you purse. You still get to fight. You still get to fight. And if he wins, then he's looking at being legitimized as a top five guy. Yeah, I mean, really, the only time you get punished the most by missing weight is if you're in a title fight and you're the challenger because you don't get to win the belt. And that's still not enough punishment, in my opinion. Yeah. But. I digress. I agree. I Let's agree. just go out and say we hope neither one of these gentlemen this yeah. week. And we're going to still talk about their fight later on as if that is not happening. Yeah. Because fuck that. This fight is happening in my eyes until yeah. someone tells me otherwise. Big. This is probably the biggest story, though, for this whole week. Uh, we're going to Bellator for this one. Making waves. Mm-hmm. They have signed and... This shocked me. So the UFC have mutually parted ways with, and then Bellator has scooped up and signed Anthony Rumble Johnson. And there goes my fight with him and Tiago. 
the fight that never, it's the white whale. Yeah. Just fight that never was. Gone with the wind. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious, what are your thoughts here? Corey Davis is very, or Corey Anderson, I'm sorry, is very pissed off right now. <laughs> Big sad. Very, very pissed off. Right when he was looking to, he's probably going to get a title shot next in Bellator. Maybe. Not even saying he's going to win, but let's say he does win. Then he's got Anthony Rumble right right yeah. there, just waiting on him. Yeah. Um, Rumble may run through this division. But the light heavyweight division that Bellator's putting together right now is very, very good. They have a lot of guys that would be top guys in the UFC yeah. or anywhere. Uh, I've I don't, you know, Rumble has not fought since 2017, and that he was a title fight. He lost the rematch to Daniel Cormier. We haven't seen him since. At sometimes he looked like he weighed over 300 yeah, pounds. Yeah, he looked like a bodybuilder. And now he's apparently going to be fighting a light heavyweight, uh, potentially even heavyweight. So it sets up a lot of interesting matchups. I mean, you got guys like Corey Anderson, uh, Leota Machida over there. Even Bader still. Bader is potentially a heavyweight or light heavyweight. I mean, there's. Uh, Big this is a matchups. very big signing for Bellator. Yeah, this and I, is... I wonder how quickly they're going to, like, what his first matchup is going to be. Because Ring Rust is, in my opinion, real. Oh, yeah. Dominic Cruz will tell you otherwise. <laughs> and everybody's probably different, but I just imagine when you haven't, and he, I mean, for all we know, he hasn't even, who knows how much he had been training mm-hmm. for at least a part of that time. He does seem very re-energized now based on his social media. He seems very motivated which is a scary thought that you know he's got that power still he's still a fantastic wrestler people don't really know that i mean he went out the step below going out on top he lost the title fight instead of one so i'm just curious like how quickly is he going to be pushed he'll be fed to the wolves of bellator I'm, i'm interested to see say he wins his debut i'd say bellator would want to give him a title shot to be honest and he's getting older now 36. Yeah, so although this is a huge signing, you still have a gap here that you want to utilize this name of Rumble Johnson if you're Bellator. I'm just saying, Bellator, you know what matchup would put my ass in the seat to watch? You sign Yoel Romero, put him and Rumble at 205. Wow. I'm just saying, man, I, you know, if you're just talking, I'm just talking off the dome here, but there's obviously guys in Bellator who Mm -hmm. I think can give him a real challenge and. I'm just. I hope that they are a little bit smart about this. I mean, this is a big signing for them. Oh yeah. In a year where the UFC has pretty much dominated the MMA headlines as far as the positive impact of MMA when it comes to their response to COVID. Bellator's done well this Bellator's year. Bellator's had a very under the radar year, but a year where I feel like they can have a lot of good takeaways. Putting here. on a lot of shows. Especially, you know, we've we've given them shit in the past. You know, not even necessarily on uh, in recording, but. Uh, they've always had that reputation due to some what they did in the past of being the place where the aged out veterans of the UFC go to try to get a check and mm-hmm. stay relevant, you know. And that was pretty much the case for a while. But they are building something there that's very nice. I mean, they're mm-hmm. doing a great job of signing a lot of big like big prospects. I mean, you got Magomed Magomedov who's fighting as really we're recording this. Yeah. So We'll see how that goes for him. They even got Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis' younger brother, and yeah. free agency and everything. They're building very good roster. Over yeah, there. so it's it's definitely becoming a product that I think is much better than it's been in the past. Big title fight tonight, actually, as we're recording this, that mm-hmm. we'll talk about Monday. So, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that signing for him. I mean, it's disappointing that we don't get some of those matchups in the UFC, like Tiago Santos, that we wanted. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't, I'm not too disappointed by it, really, because I think he's going to do big things at Bellator, and I think it'll be good for him mm-hmm. for both sides. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it shocked me, but I'm I am happy to just see Rumble back me. fighting. Definitely shocked me. And I wonder if this was... They said they mutually parted ways, so I, I guess that means... I don't know if that... I don't know how it works with the contracts. I'm assuming Rumble's not been under contract with the UFC in any yeah, capacity. Yeah, because he retired. Right. Even went out of the testing pool. But I'm wondering, since they mutually parted ways, does that mean that there was negotiations and they fell through? That could be true. And I wonder if a lot of that has to do with these proposed cuts the UFC's yeah. talking about. So, you know, the timeline... And I'm not sure... A, not about, a lot of people making that connection, but it would make sense. And I'm sure Bellator offered a pretty penny. Oh, yeah. And if you're in Bellator, you can have your own individual sponsors and stuff mm-hmm. as well. And I'm sure Anthony has plenty of those. Very marketable guy. Always has been, so... Regardless of where he's at, it's exciting that Anthony Rumble Johnson is back in the sport. Yeah. But that is the end of the news. The news. I think it's time to preview a card, though. Oh, yeah. It's a big one. It's a pay-per-view. We love pay-per-view previews. But first. But first. A big announcement that (laughs) happened on our social media today at 5 p.m., you want to go ahead and make the official announcement on the podcast? We are officially partnered with Verdict MMA, which leads us into the fact that now whenever we do fight night or pay-per-view previews, our official fight predictions that you all are so used to hearing us get predictions on, even though sometimes we're not always accurate, will be brought to you by... Verdict, MMA. It's crazy. Yeah, mic drop. Lay it on them. Yeah, so this is very exciting news we're, for us. Yeah, we were so excited. I know how, what a huge fan you are of this app, Dom. I love the app, too. It's huge. I mean, we're we're very excited for this partnership oh, yeah. and the possibilities it can lead to in the future. And just really having a brand such as Verdict that's so established in the MMA community be willing and wanting to partner with a podcast that is still small like us yeah a huge shout out to all the people over at verdict that were really cool with this and just yeah. the way it all worked out and played out was fantastic couldn't have went smoother really yeah true did you want to tell the people how the app works the app is very simple but yet so complex mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful chaos as we like to say <laughs> So essentially, Verdict MMA, you can look this up on any app store, uh, whatever the smartphones are these days, I don't keep up with all the technology. You download the Verdict MMA app, you can register with your Twitter handle, which is what myself and Noah do, you can make your own account, whatever you prefer. From there, essentially every weekend, or every UFC fight card that there is, you can go in and make your predictions for the fights. You can bet, not bet, but you can wager XP that is in your profile, and the more XP you gain from getting proper fight predictions correct, um, the more or the quicker you level up, and you earn your white belt, your blue belt, your brown belt, your purple belt. While earning XP on yeah. top of it. Yeah, the XP is what earns you further stripes and then your belt, per se. Because, mm. you know, in jiu-jitsu and all the fun mixed martial arts, there's belts that you earn. Yeah. 
and so there is on Verdict as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's very cool. And really, the biggest thing that Verdict's known for is judging and scoring the fights live. Round by round. Round by round scoring. You can watch the fights. You'll get a notification that says, all right, round one of this fight is about to end. Score who you think won. You go in, give you know a 10 to the winner of that round and a 9 or an 8 or however to you whoever you think was the loser of that round. And Verdict gathers all of this data globally, worldwide, with all of its users and then can go on to their social medias at Verdict MMA, Twitter and Instagram. And they post out, especially when there's controversial uh, decisions by judges. Um, Chris Lee's been involved in a few of those lately, so... You know, he's he's well known on Verdict MMA right now, so it's very cool, very unique, something you don't really see anywhere else in the MMA community. True, well said. So, with nothing left to say there, for the first time, yes, your official fight predictions are brought to you by Verdict MMA. Verdict MMA is the global platform for real-time judging and sharing your fight predictions. Create your account today and begin predicting your fights. And that's what we're about to do, Noah. We're about to do it eight times. Eight? Wait. wait, 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 Did you say eight? Eight. Not one, not two, not three. Like that LeBron and D-Wade thing? Oh, yeah. Eight fights. Eight fights. Yeah, not not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. The crowd goes crazy, but then after four fights, we're ending the podcast and leaving. <laughs> I love LeBron, but I had to throw I had to throw it out there. So here we go, let's go. Well, I mean, right now, okay, the so bonus fights first. We've had some shakeups in the lineup. Yeah, here. the card, the main card changed today, I think. Okay, so on my screen, it's on. Okay, it is updated on my end, so okay, I, I got cool, it. There, cool, I got cool, it here. Cool. So we're gonna start. With our three prelim fights we're breaking yes. down here. Yes. Featherweight, Gavin Tucker versus Billy Quarantillo. These are two big prospects, you guys. We've talked about Billy Q a few times on here. Haven't really had a chance to talk about Gavin Tucker. He's kind of been on the bottom of a lot of these cards. But a guy who's quickly rising up here, and this is his biggest fight yet. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away. Go ahead. i got to find it. The notepad's really... Busy. <laughs> There's today. so much. Uh, I think it's on this page. It is. Billy Q. Mm-hmm. We love Billy Quarantillo. Tillo? Quarantillo. I always want to say. Quarantillo, I believe. Okay, that's. Yeah, okay. Okay. I don't know if you roll the L's and, you know, all that stuff and the yuns and. The, anyway. We're too white for that. <laughs> Billy Q, Gavin Tucker. Men's 145 pounds. Billy is 15 and 2 with 6 KOTKOs, 5 submissions. He's 4 0 in the UFC if you count his win on the Contender Series. Notable win against Spike Carlisle. That was via unanimous decision. Billy is entering this fight on Saturday on an eight-fight win streak, ladies and gentlemen. Gavin Tucker is 12-1, four KOTKOs, six submissions, 10 out of 12 via finish. He's 3-1 in the UFC. Notable win against Justin Janes. That was come via submission. This is a great prelim fight. These prelims would make a really fun fight night, in my opinion. Oh, I agree completely. But I'm just... I know Gavin Tucker's good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Tough, very tough test here for Billy. Probably the toughest of his career. But I can't pick against our boy. Mm -hmm. I'm going Billy Q here. I'm going Billy Q via decision, even though he's coming off that badass one-punch KO. 
Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a really good fight here. Potential fight of the night written on it at 145 pounds. Billy Q edges it out and gets a decision victory over Gavin Tucker. I like it. I like it. Yeah, um, Gavin Tucker is kind of a prospect, but he is 34 years old. So he is definitely, you know, again, I'm more of a believer in the fight years rather than the age. I know age is a natural progression. And, you know, you just because a guy begins fighting professionally at 45 doesn't mean he can fight till he's 60. You know what I mean? There's natural decline in the athleticism and um, really just your ability to take punishment, mm-hmm. things like that. But considering he is only 12-1, and one, I think he's still got a few years left in him here. Oh, yeah. And for Billy Q, he's not really – Billy Q's not necessarily just a young buck either. I mean, he's really in his prime right now. He's 31. Yep, yep. Do I think we've really seen him hit his stride or his prime as far as his ability as a mixed martial artist? No, I think not he's yet. definitely improving each and every fight. But at 31, your athletic prime is supposed to be those early 30s. So right now is a huge opportunity for him to really take full advantage and stay active, and he's done so. And as far as this matchup, man, I mean, this is really both guys' biggest tests. Yeah, this is a great fight. Now, Billy Q was tested against Spike Carlisle, who Mm -hmm. is kind of a wild man. And Billy was able to pass the test, not in flying colors necessarily. He was definitely tested there. But then you saw in his last fight that one punch oh, KO. Oh man! Right when the second round started. It was the third. Third round. round? Yeah, seven seconds in. Mm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, what a performance there! Um, you just see that improvement every time out, and I think that's going to be what gets him the win here. Just that constant improvement. Um, I'm actually going with a third round TKO. Billy Q, man, he's 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 the real deal. Gavin Tucker is too. I know there's going to be a disappointing loss for him, but. You know, I, I really think Billy Q is a top ten. Oh, talent. he's very good. And for Gavin, he could at some point be in that same range. I, I would say for either gentleman here coming off a win, could maybe get a number fifteen next. If not, they're one fight away. I especially yeah. depending on how you win. Yeah, I mean a featherweight. You know that back end of featherweight, you could probably do that. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on to a fight that was dropped from the main card to the to the prelims. And I don't want to say that it was because this fight isn't good. I think it's because the fight they moved to the main card is better. More high profile. Yes, definitely more high yeah. profile. So we got at lightweight, Hinato Moicano, a guy who has fought at featherweight for most of his career. It's his second fight at lightweight. Going up against Rafael Fiziev. <laughs> don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Keep it simple. Fiziev. Um... Let me just start by saying Moicano has some very impressive... He has a very impressive resume He's for a guy stuck. who really has kind of fallen out of the really... like MMA fans, we don't really talk about Moicano anymore. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. There was a time he was given a high-profile matchup against Jose Aldo. People thought he might win that, you know, and now he's kind of here. He's in a new division, only a second fight. He's going up against Rafael, who... Just want to say, he made a big name for himself against Mark Chikasey. Yeah, putting on some Matrix ass shit. Yeah, that, that was, was wild. Awesome. So I'm a big fan of this guy, but Moicano does have that. He's at this point, he's a veteran. He's been in there with the best of them. Rafael hasn't. So I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and let you break this down, though. Yeah, Hanato Moicano is 14 and three. Seven of those via submission. He's six and three in the UFC, but he's got wins over uh, Zubaira Tugahov. Via split decision, Jeremy Stevens split decision. He beat Calvin Cater 
who is on a tear right now, beat him via unanimous decision, also submitted Cub Swanson, who we're going to break down next. In the only three losses of Moicano's career, Brian Ortega, mm-hmm. submission. Jose Aldo, TKO. Korean Zombie, TKO. That's it. Yeah. And this man gets slept on. Because of those three losses? Come on! Yeah. Come no, on now! Especially that Ortega loss. That was a very close fight mm-hmm. up until when Ortega got that guillotine. You know how Ortega's guillotine is. Oh, once that's in, it's chalked. And I mean, that was that happened in the third round. I mean, he could have been winning that fight. I don't remember it enough to, you know, because at the time I, I didn't watch it live. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it was a very close fight. And then he does have big wins over against guys like Calvin Cater, yeah. Cub Swanson, finishing Cub Swanson. Yeah. He did headline a fight night with Korean Zombie. Didn't go well for him. Got TKO'd in 58 seconds. Moves up to lightweight. Very impressive performance against a bit of an unknown in Demir Hadzovic. Mm-hmm. Hadzovic. Uh, he, did, he got the rear naked choke in 44 seconds. I don't care who you are. That's impressive. Oh, absolutely. Um yeah, seven wins by submission, none by knockout. You know how he wants to finish this thing. Exactly, and it's the complete opposite on the other end here. For Rafael, he's 8-1, five of those via KOTKO, and he also has one submission, six out of eight via finish. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC, the notable win coming against Mark um, Jacasey. Jacasey via unanimous decision. I look at the spelling of that name and don't know how that word comes out, so I'm just looking at you. <laughs> yeah. to help me. I'm so glad that I've heard it before. <laughs> and five of his six finishes for Rafael have came via first round so this is interesting here we've got a KO artist we've got a submission specialist what are we going to see here are we going to see a war are we going to see a stand up war I mean that's going to be a test of their styles and honestly the uh, for what one excels in they're somewhat unproven on the other end Mm -hmm. yeah especially for Raphael I mean we really have a very limited sample size of what this guy can do striking looks very impressive is the ground game really there? And it's going to be tested. And for Moicano, again, no wins by TKO, KO. Two of his three losses by KO, TKO. True. Just saying, though, that, um, you know, I'm not going to act, I'm not going to say his striking's bad. I, I don't, I can't really tell you, I can't really give you an opinion full-heartedly as far as what I think of his striking. But we know what is going to go in there and try and do. Yeah, so it's really going to be a test of wills in a sense. Who can enforce their will on the other as far as what they want to do? And for this one, man, I mean, I'm really leaning toward, look at that strength of schedule, you know, essentially here for Moicano. He's been in there with the toughest guys. Although all three losses have been via finish, I'm still leaning for Moicano here. I think we're going to see another really good fight. I don't think he's going to get the finish. I think we're going to see another decision, but I think he's going to use his grapple-heavy um, techniques to kind of control the fight on the ground more so than anything. I think he will be able to get this fight to the ground. I'm going to go the other way. I'm, I'm taking Rafael in this matchup. The thing is, Rafael has shown some very slick striking, but he's got the power there too. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Moicano has been finished via strikes in two of his three losses. Yeah. The other one being by submission. So the guy, he's been finished in yeah. all three of his losses. However, you got to wonder, was he was he gutting himself to get to 145? You've seen that, how that can compromise a man's chin. True. I don't think he gets finished here. I think it goes to a decision, but I think Rafael is going to beat up Moicano for three rounds. Mm. I think Moicano is just going to have a very hard time getting this fight to the ground. I'm definitely... 
putting a lot of my eggs into Raphael having good takedown defense mm-hmm. basket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a respectable take right now, considering when you see some of the shit he was doing in his last fight with Jacasey. Oh, yeah. Literally when have, Matrix. When, when you're able to do shit like that, you got to be able to stop a takedown or two, right? I would think. That's the hope. And he does he does have a little bit of hype around him, so you know the guy's yeah. good. You know he's good. Uh, how good? This is a good test. Oh, this is a very good test. And it's a test for Moicano at lightweight. Uh, his last fight, he looked very impressive, but it was against a very unknown fighter compared to who he had been fighting at featherweight. And only 48 seconds of octagon time. If, yes, true. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for that one, though. I think that's a sleeper uh, fight of the night. Oh, yeah, really good. Actually, I think our last fight was, too. I mean, I've, All three of yeah, these prelim fights are fight of the night. And here's, here's where we're going to get into the next this one. This is going to be insane. Featherweight again. Cub my, Swanson. My boy. Yeah, you love Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda, who, let's just say, is a veteran of the podcast. This is true. He fought... Herbert Burns at UFC 252, headlined by Stipe versus Daniel Cormier 3. Our very first. We both. I went back today because I was looking back at some of our old fight predictions for something I've been doing on a spreadsheet. (laughs) Of course. Yes. We both said Herbert Burns was going to win that fight. And we both went so far as to say that it was going to be pretty dominant. Yeah. Submission finish, all that. Daniel said... uh... Hold my beer. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he has looked great since. Yeah. He's 35. This is his second stint in UFC, which he is the guy. He is the guy that I first fucked up with. <laughs> in our in our preview episode, I said that it was his first. I think I said it was UFC his debut. debut. Yeah. When really it was his return to the UFC. It was his eighth UFC fight. Yeah. It, you know what, though? That, that's all right. It's okay. But, Go ahead. We've Don. grown. Yeah, yeah. It's this your, is four months. That was ago. episode three. Yeah, episode now we're on three. 50. Now we're on fifty. It, we're essentially two different people. That's now. a different time. It's in the past. So I'm but gonna go you ahead. can go back and listen if you want. But there is some very interesting <laughs> things when you're that you're about to break down here that really muddy the waters of this fight. This fight is going to be insane. Okay, <laughs> this is men's featherweight, 145 pounds. Cub Swanson, 26 wins, 11 losses, 11 KO TKOs, four submissions. He's 11 and 7 in the UFC, but this guy's resume is illegal. He's got wins over Ross Pearson, TKO. Charles Oliveira, oh yeah, the guy in the co main on this card, KO'd him. Oh, Dustin Poirier, you know, the guy fighting Conor McGregor next month? Yeah. yeah he beat him, unanimous decision. Be- beat Dennis Seaver via TKO. Jeremy Stevens, decision. A fight of the ages with Duho Choi. It was actually three years ago today. When that fight happened. Nice. Beat him via unanimous decision. He Amazing. beat the GOAT, Artem Lobov, via unanimous decision. And most recently, dominated Crone Gracie. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. He really controlled that fight, looked very good. Crone did fight the fight a little differently than what you would imagine, but we're not going to get into that. Notable losses, though. we got to do a little deep dive, Noah. You ready to go on a trip with me? Yeah. Jens Pulver. Wow. WEC 31 in 2007. Jens Pulver got a submission victory over Cub Swanson. WEC 41 in 2009. Jose Aldo TKO Cub Swanson. That's the, uh, just want to, sorry, just wanted to point out that is Cub Swanson's only loss by TKO. Mm -hmm. Happened in like, I think it was nine seconds. Oh, really? It was a knee to the face. Oof. 
Those hurt. Literally, so Cup Swanson went for a shoot. Aldo immediately goes for a, like, hits him with the knee to the face, and he immediately goes down. It was Masvidal Askren. Yeah, in a sense. Uh, it was, I, Jose showed a lot more, it was very <laughs> athletic looking the way he did it. It's just, yeah, but go ahead and continue. <laughs> also lost to Chad Mendez at WEC 50 in 2010. That was via decision. Then we get into the UFC stint. His debut was against Ricardo Lamas, who just recently retired. Lost to him via submission. He's lost to Frankie Edgar two times. First time via submission. Second time via unanimous decision. He got submitted by blessed Max Holloway via sub- or via submission. Got submitted via submission. Uh, they get it. Also got submitted by Brian Ortega. Got submitted by Hinato, Hinato Moicano, who we just talked about. And lost a split decision with Shane Burgos. Daniel Pineda, this is this is fantastic stuff here. <laughs> You're very excited to say this. Listen, Daniel Pineda has 40 professional fights, 27 wins, 13 losses, <clears throat> nine KO TKOs, pretty solid, right? 18 submissions. Now Noah, if you get out the calculator app, nine plus 18 equals 27. Daniel has 27 victories, all 27 via finish. That's not fair. That's not fair. That shouldn't be allowed. Anyway, he's 4-4 four four in the UFC. Notable win against Herbert Burns, as we mentioned, via TKO. He has not lost a fight since August of 2017. He's 5-0 with two no contests. And 17 out of the 27 finishes have came via the first round. Uh, Wait. <laughs> sign. Sound the alarm. Yes, I just said I was going to say sign the alarm. Sound the alarm. Twenty-seven out of twenty-seven. What? That's the go-to from now on. And it's cool because he's about to be twenty-eight for twenty-eight. Daniel say Pineda. It, say it ain't so. Second round submission victory over Cub Swanson. Cub, you're a true veteran. You have fought the who's who. We love you. But if I'm seeing 27 out of 27 finishes, I'm going with that all day. And I already learned once not to pick this guy. I'm not making that mistake again. Second round, submission, Daniel Pineda. To close out the 256 prelims. Whew! All right. That's a whole ass fight night. You didn't give a lot of respect to Cub Swanson, so I'm going to pick up your slack. Did you not hear that resume he had? <laughs> yeah, I heard you read the script. He could get a lot of job applications with that resume. Okay, let me just start by saying my first exposure to Cub Swanson was that fight with Duho Choi that happened three years ago today. And let me just say, one of the best fights ever. That fight is fucking sick. Yeah, like definitely, probably, if we're talking three-round fights in UFC history, top three. Duho Choi took so much damage in that fight. And he obviously gave some in return. He's Korean Zombie number two. In a way, yeah. And it's so unfortunate. Uh, well, really, his last fight, Cubs Swanson, was against Crumb Gracie, who is a rising prospect, mm-hmm. hence the last name. Yeah, Gracie. Gracie. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal when it comes to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Or, you know, the whole sport. Yes, <laughs> the whole sport was started with the Gracie family. Um, it was a bit of a weird fight. It was fight of the night. It was a great fight. Yeah, yeah. But why it wasn't fight of the night? Crumb Gracie sort of decided to stand yeah. with Cub Swanson. Yeah. 
And Gracie honestly looked somewhat better than I thought he would. But it's Cub Swanson. But, but it's Cub Swanson yeah. and you're a Gracie. Yeah, yeah. And not that people can't be more than... Oh, yeah. You know, that just... He's his whole the whole reason why he is touted as this big prospect is due to his background in jujitsu. He competed professionally in jujitsu and was fantastic at it. And look at how many times Cub has been submitted. I mean, you got to think Gracie would have been able to lock something uh, in, right? That was going to be a, something I got to here is <clears throat> that out of his eleven losses, seven of them are by submission. Yeah, yeah. Pineda has eighteen submission. Victories. Yeah, that played a little factor. In it's this is honestly like for Pineda, who we for one disrespected the first time we, yes. we talked about him. We will never do this again. Yeah, we're better now. <laughs> and two, who is still very much kind of an unknown guy in the casual fan base, despite the fact he finishes everybody. Yeah, and does it excitedly. He is thirty-five. He's a bit older, but Swanson is. He's on after, before that win against Crone Gracie. He was. Oh, for his last four. These guys have had a lot of fights. He has. And, you know, he's 37. He's His better days are probably behind him at this point. <sighs> Man, I think this is going to be a war. These guys have 77 combined professional fights. Yeah, I think it's going to be a war. I actually think Cub Swanson is going to look great early. I just think he's going to get caught in... I'll go with the second round via submission. I think uh, Pineda will walk in some sort of crazy yeah. guillotine or rear naked choke or something. Maybe even drop him on the feet. And yeah, be able to get that's, his back. that's what I'm kind of thinking. Um, I think Swanson's going to look great. I just think that, again, Pineda's kind of does it all. Yeah. On a smaller scale than some guys, but again, 27 wins, 27 finishes. That's hard to do. I don't care who you're fighting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, it's 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 tough for me to say as a big Swanson fan, but I think he will at least put up a good fight. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, this could very well be fight of the night. Yeah, could so very we, well be. We are gonna move on to our main card here, and we start with heavyweight mm. Junior Dos Santos, mm. a pioneer, a legend. Oh yeah, going up against a huge prospect, potentially, dare I say. One of the best prospects to ever come through the heavyweight division. We don't get many of them. It's, I agree. Cyril or Cyril? Cyril? Uh, Cyril. Cyril Gane? Gane. That's how Ariel Hawani says it. That's how we'll yeah, say it. Yeah, if Ariel says it that way, we're going to say it that way. A huge difference in experience here. Yes. Gane is 6-0. and Yes. Junior Dos Santos is, how, what's his record? 21-8. and That leads me into my nitty-gritty. Go ahead. 15 KO TKOs, one submission here. He's got 16 out of those 21 wins via finish. He's 15-7 and seven in the UFC, man. JDS has just done it all. He's got wins over Fabricio Verdum. That was his UFC debut. That was via TKO. He TKO'd Stefan Struve. He TKO'd Gabriel Gonzaga. He beat Roy Nelson via unanimous decision. He beat Shane Carlin via unanimous decision. He KO'd Cain Velasquez to become the heavyweight champion of the world. He then TKO'd Frank Mir. He's knocked out Mark Hunt. He beat our boy Stipe Miocic, even, Noah, in a very good fight. Uh, that was a decision victory there for JDS. He beat Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision. Loigi Evenall via unanimous decision. He TKO'd Tai Tuivasa. 
and then most recently TKO'd Derek the Black Beast Lewis. However, he's got a lot of notable losses here. He's lost to Cain Velasquez twice. That was a unanimous decision the first time, then a TKO, one of the best trilogies we've ever seen. Really good trilogies in the heavyweight division. Uh, he got your yeah he got TKO'd by Alistair Overeem. He got TKO'd in a title fight with Stipe. Uh, he got TKO'd by Francis Ngannou. TKO'd by Curtis Blades and TKO'd by uh, Rosenstroik. How do you say his first name? Jarzinho. 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 Rosenstroik via TKO. He's on a three-fight losing skid here, all via TKO. That's the tough part with the losing streak. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if you're losing a couple in a row, but if you're getting finished, that's where some red flags come up. But he's got 11 first-round finishes. Like I said, the three-fight losing streak coming into this. Other side of the octagon, an undefeated prospect, Cyril Gane, 6-0, two KO TKOs, three submissions. That's five out of six via finish. Undefeated, obviously, in the UFC with three wins. Notable win against Tanner Bozer, another prospect in this heavyweight division who just got beat by your boy, Andre Arlovsky. Yes, he did. Uh, he beat Bozer via unanimous decision. Three of Gane's five finishes have came in the first round. <sighs> this is a lot here. You know, this is like the Overeem Sakai fight a lot to me, to be honest Ooh, with you. Really? In terms of a prospect versus a veteran, obviously Gane undefeated, Sakai was not. JDS has a lot to prove here. And we discussed this before the recording. If he goes out here and loses, especially if he gets finished again, that'd be four in a row. He's getting older. He's not in his prime He's anymore. He's fought pretty much everybody. There He's literally fight. fought everybody. He could be one of those 60 people getting cut from the UFC. It's true. This latter half of this month. And that's where I think fire is going to be lit under JDS's ass. Really? Come this Saturday night. I think JDS's experience is going to come into play huge here against Gane, and I think he's going to get a decision victory to right the ship on this three-fight losing skid. Interesting. What's funny is I thought for sure you were going to say Gane first round KOTKO. <laughs> I was, or submission. I thought I was so ready to respond to you by talking about the fact that I think this is going to be a much closer fight mm -hmm. than maybe some people think. All because it's a big experience advantage to JDS here. Gane is a hell, hell of a prospect. But look at what just happened to Tanner Bozer against Arlovsky. That is another example of it too, yeah. Bozer had even more experience. Yeah. And he still got basically... Bested. Yeah. By Arlovsky, who is a guy that better days have not been there for years now yeah a guy who always gets matched up against these prospects and is it getting finished or whatever you know it's and we saw arlovsky look great and he looked he basically sweeped the cards mm -hmm. if i remember correctly yeah he did so in this matchup that is definitely on the table here jds you have to think he's got to be motivated dude maybe that did light a fire under his ass with the dana's comments about fighters being cut For Gane, for Gane, 6-0, he has looked great. And the UFC, surprisingly, he's got two wins via uh, TKO KO, but we've only seen submissions and then the decision with Bozer. So, really, for a heavyweight, you don't see a ton of that. This is a big jump. It's a big, big jump. Big jump. And despite the way I just talked, I'm still going to go Gane. 
But I think Dos Santos is going to put up a great fight. Probably even think somewhat of Overeem versus Rosenstreich. Mm-hmm. I think a third round TKO Gane gets the win. But it doesn't necessarily answer a lot of all the questions that maybe are around him. Mm-hmm. And for JDS, that's a huge loss to have to stomach, especially if that ends up being his last fight in UFC. Oh, yeah, man. But I think he goes out on a if, – if you're going to lose, I think in my head I'm picturing it's about as high of a, a note as you can go out on a loss. Um, I was even considering taking this one to a decision – I just think, um, I just think Gane, he's gonna be. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll be the fresher guy in round three, but he's still gonna have that athleticism, and he's got that ability to finish the fight everywhere. Yeah, yeah. he's shown a great ability to do so. So I think he'll still be able to threaten more in round three. It should be a very, very fun heavyweight fight. That's a great way to start a main card too. No, I agree. So. I agree. We move on to one of the. Harder to predict fights, I think. This was the hardest one for me out of eight fights, for sure. Some people might be surprised by that due to kind of where these guys are standing right now. Oh, they're on complete opposite spectrum. Yes. You got Kevin Holland, who was supposed to headline our card last week against Jack or Manson. He gets COVID, gets pushed to this card. Yeah, they just flip Yeah, Marvin Vittori takes the spot, has the biggest one of his career. Now Holland gets the biggest fight of his career against Jacare Souza, but still a step back from Jacker Manson. Yeah, for sure. Since Jacker Manson beat him. But a fight that makes more sense. We both agreed, agreed with yes. that. So. so this is the matchup here. What are your thoughts? What is your breakdown here? Jacare Souza. Yes. The alligator. They yeah, can't you see might, me. Yeah, you might want to explain uh, it. Jacare comes in and always closes his arms real big like you know if you're college football you watch the Florida Gators how they do yeah, that yeah Jacare always does that anyway 26 and 8 he's got 8 KO TKOs 14 submissions 22 out of 26 via finish he's 9 and 5 in the UFC one of the best fighters we've seen in the UFC never to get a title shot notable wins against Tim Kennedy back in strike force 2010 via unanimous decision also beat Robbie Lawler in strike force in 2011 via submission he KO'd Derek Brunson in strike force in 2012 also KO'd Brunson later uh, in the UFC then he actually comes into the UFC he TKO's Yushin Okami he submits Yegard Musasi which is a rematch from strike force he TKO'd Vitor Belfort submitted Tim Bosch uh, I mentioned the Brunson KO in the UFC and then he also just KO'd or his most recent win I should say he KO'd Chris Weidman who was pretty nasty He's got notable losses, Yegard Musasi at Dream 6 in 2008 uh, via KO. He uh, got defeated by Luke Rockhold via unanimous decision. That was in strike force. Uh, then he makes his way to the UFC again. Loses to Yoa Romero via split decision. Got TKO'd by Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker. Lost a split decision to Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, lost a unanimous decision to Jack Hermanson, who we just mentioned. And then lost a split decision in his light heavyweight debut against Jan Blachowicz. So three split decisions there out of his eight losses. We I hate seeing. I don't hate split decisions, but you're always thinking from a fighter perspective. Damn, all I needed was one more judge. You know, <clears throat> 18 of his uh, 22 finishes have came via the first round. That impressed me a lot. Jacare can do it all. Other side though, 
the rising star in the making, Kevin Holland, the contender series guy. 20 wins, 5 losses, 10 KO, TKO, 6 submissions. That's 16 out of 20 via finish. He's 8-2 in the UFC if you count that contender series victory. He's got wins over Gerald Mearchart via split decision. He TKO'd the KO of the year candidate in Jaquin. Is that how you say it, Buckley? Joaquin. Joaquin. Damn it. I always mess up his first name. What'd you say? Jaquin. Jaquin. We don't want to talk about it. He TKO'd Buckley, knocked his mouthpiece out of the octagon damn near. Then he got a split decision over Darren Stewart. That was a very close fight. Um, and then most recently got that body slam awkward finish a couple weeks ago. It was really weird. That was brutal. Though. Yeah, it was brutal. It hurt me. Notable losses. His real UFC debut after the Contender Series on short notice, Tiago Santos. Mm-hmm. And he went the distance with him for three rounds, lost the unanimous decision, and then his only other loss in the UFC, he got submitted by Brendan Allen, a very young up-and-coming star submission, in the making. Submission specialist. Yes, for sure. Ten of his fifteen or 10 of his 16 finishes have came in the first round. He's on a four-fight win streak entering this fight, all of them coming since May of this year. Kevin Holland looking to go 5-0 and in 2020, 5-0 since May, and potentially, just maybe, knocking on the door a fighter of the year for the UFC. But does he do it? <sighs> this is tough. <clears throat> you want me to talk a little bit? This is t- yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'm not going to change, but I just want to sit on it. Okay. So, yeah, you did a great job breaking it down there. These guys are kind of in opposite sides right now. Holland is surging. 4 0 in 2020, going for 5 0. Looking like he might be potentially fighter of the year. I mean, it's a tough road to get to that when you got the main event with yeah. Davison, yeah. who's a title holder, who's doing what he's doing. But still, the fact that he's in the conversation. I mean, five fights in a year. Not since even, May. Yeah, since May. While for Jacare, we have not seen him since the Blahovich loss. And. That was not a great fight. He lost, and he lost to Hermanson before that. He's kind of been trading wins and losses over the last few years, all against the top competition. I mean, he's one of the best fighters to never get a title shot for mm-hmm. a reason there. And, yeah, he's kind of been that guy that's, like, been in the number one contender fight and loses. Yeah, yeah. Robert Whitaker, TKO'd him. Kelvin Gaslam got that split decision. Jack Hermanson hasn't got a title shot, but you see my point. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, well, and then you have Blahovich, who he loses to, who beats Corey Anderson. Then he's fighting for a light heavyweight belt. I just want to say, I think people are going to look at this fight and say, well, Souza is on his way down because he is 41. God, he looks good, though. He looks great. And they're going to look at Holland, who's surging, who's 28. A lot of height. And a lot of height. Big hype. character. Yeah, and I think that people are going to immediately think that Holland's going to Run through him. Run through him. I don't think that's the case. No, no, no. If you look at just his last performance against Blahovich, a split decision. I watched that damn fight. A boring-ass fight. Jock Ray was very close to winning that fight. Jan Blahovich is light heavyweight champion right now. That's yeah. in the middle of his run. Yeah. In, at his unnatural weight class. Yes. He's a true 185. Yes. And Jack Hermanson did pretty much handedly beat him. But... Styles make fights, and for Jacare, his key here is to get the fight to the ground. Yeah, 100%. That's that's his route here. Holland is the faster fighter. He's going to be the more explosive fighter. 
better striker, even though I think Jacare is good on the feet. I'm gonna He's keep... improved a lot over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Holland also has shown an ability to finish the fight on the ground. I don't see that happening against Jacare. No, no, no. Um, really, no matter who wins this fight, I think it's going all three. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going all three rounds. Picking the winner is the tough part. Which is usually not the case. Usually it's like two it's the different... the method of victories. Yeah, like, but either way, I don't see either of these guys being able to finish the other. Yeah, I agree. What I think is most likely, if you're talking about a finish, is Jock Ray by submission. However... I'm going to go with Kevin Holland by decision. That's what I have. That's what I picked before we started recording. When I started talking... I had decided in my head I was going with Jacare by decision. And then right as I took that took that breath, Kevin Holland's what came out. Yeah. I'm going with Holland. Um he's good. Oh yeah. He's His run good. has not been perfect. I mean Joaquin Buckley TK is looking better and better. It was but the Darren Stewart. The Darren fight. Stewart fight's yeah. that it's an odd one, right? Yeah, that's and really what... when you look at this run he's been on since the Brendan Allen loss, Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, Charlie Ontiveros. Jacare Sozo's fist. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a big game. jump. And I think his I think what's really gonna help him most is the fact that he's been active. Just even though it's been against lesser competition, Buckley remains to be seen how good he can be. Yeah. Darren Stewart, same thing. We'll see how those guys' careers pan out. But at this point, that is a step below what Jack Hermanson is. Yeah, if we're talking Jacare. resumes, we know that's going to Jacare for sure. And also the matchmakers are very meticulous about how they book fights. They think that, you know, they know, really, they know better than us. And that has been proven time and time again. And when we've done these, think of a fight like a real small one. Like, remember Shayna Dobson versus Maria Agapova? Yeah, yeah. We thought Agapova was going to dominate her. Dobson, an under 500 fighter. Yeah. Dobson kicked her ass. Yeah. And Dana even said that, um, I forget if it was Sean Shelby. Sean Shelby, yeah. Was like, oh, trust me. This. Mm-hmm. She's going to prove something. So the problem is, is they didn't originally book Holland versus Jockery. Right. They booked Holland versus Hermanson. Right. And Vittori versus Jockery. So I think they saw something with Holland versus Hermanson, despite the fact that Holland was unranked. Do they see the same thing with him versus Jockery? I don't know. It sounds like I'm saying a lot of what I'm saying here would make you think I'm picking Jockery, but I'm going to end up picking Holland. Yeah, it's tough. This is tough. Jockery's not fought in a year uh he's not getting any younger it's it, to me that is another good thing with um holland here this is going to be his fifth fight like you just said jockery hasn't fought in over a year yeah that's going to play a role yes it does holland's just been churning out fights fight camps training just he's in the damn gym right so that's really the biggest reason for me here. I think he's really hungry to prove a point. I think confidence too. He's so confident in his skills. Compared to Jockery, who's lost two straight yeah, and hasn't man. fought in a year. I, and again, just like you, I, I don't see a finish either way. But I'm going Holland decision as well. I, very hard. It's the hardest fight to predict in my it, opinion. In my opinion too. I mean, I literally went back and forth there like multiple times. It's it's so hard to pick. Yeah. Yeah. We will move on to the fight that has now been added to the main card. Our women's fight. Our women representative here. And what a fight it is. I cannot. These latter three fights of the main card are freaking badass. <laughs> you are like super stoked I am for this so fight. stoked for this. I'm so glad they put this on the main card. Mackenzie Dern versus Verna Jandaroba. 
We've got top 15 action in the women's strawweight division, 115 pounds. Mackenzie Dern is 9-1. Six of those nine wins are via submission. She's 4-1 in the UFC with notable wins over Ashley Yoder via split decision. Hannah Cyphers via submission. She also submitted um, Ronda Marcos. And also one that I had to do a little digging on, she beat Montana De La Rosa back at LFC 61 in 2016. That was also via submission. Five of her six submission victories, round one. Mackenzie Dern likes to get in, choke your ass or break your leg, and then get out. Ronda Rousey-esque. Yes, very much so. Minus the judo and add in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Precisely that, Noah. And on the other end, Verna is 16-1. and one. Two fighters here with only one loss on each We're record. looking at a mirror. <laughs> yes, two. because Mackenzie had six out of nine via submission. Verna's got 13 out of 16 via it's submission. It's literally so hard. This is a jiu- 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 <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner's dream match right here. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fantastic. Verna is 2-1 and one in the UFC. Notable win against Felice Herrig. You guessed it, via submission. Uh, notable loss, the only loss on her record. Carla Esparza, the cookie monster, via unanimous decision. Eight of her 13 submissions have came in the first round. We are looking in a mirror here. You forgot to mention uh, Dern's one loss. Oh, yeah. I didn't put her loss, did I? Mm-hmm. Her notable loss is against the one and only Amanda Rebos, mm-hmm. who we mentioned in the who news segment. Who is a rising star yes, right now. Yes, 100%. I can't not believe that. I ran out of room on that page. So, and oh, no, I, I, no, you're fine. Thank I you. Just, thank you. Both women have an impressive, I don't want to say an impressive a loss. A notable loss. A notable loss. Yes. Their one loss being notable. And they look great in their wins. This, well, this is a jiu-jitsu match. So here, okay, so here's. But is it a jiu-jitsu match, though? This is, we see this what is, happens here. Actually, this fight, while I don't know, in my head, I don't know if it's harder to predict the winner. I just don't know how What's this gonna fight's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's the opposite of our previous fight. Well, not really. Because what made that harder was I couldn't choose a winner, and I didn't know. But I knew how it was going to be as far as the finish. I, I felt, felt confident picking my winner So I this. guess it was the opposite. Because I didn't know the winner, but I did know the method of victory. Right. And I decision. This one, you don't know the method, but you are pretty confident in who you're picking. Kind of. <laughs> I'm going Mackenzie Dern. I'm going Verna Janarova. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Let me just say, okay. if Mackenzie Dern wins, then I'm going to again be, this is another fighter who I'm going to be counting out. I picked her to lose to Random Marcos, which, big dummy right here. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. But here's why. You have these two women who are exceptional on the ground. Mm-hmm. So either... We're going to have a test to see which one is truly better on the ground, and they're going to be the one that's having control of most of the fight. Yeah, it could turn into a grappling jiu-jitsu match, or... Or you end up testing their stand-up. Colby Covington via or versus Kamaru Usman-esque. Which I can't even fathom. <laughs> but that's the route I'm seeing. I really don't know if he, like I feel like these women are so even. Oh, yeah. And I could is, be totally you proven talk about wrong. perfect matchmaking. I could be totally proven wrong in this. One of these went, you know, Mackenzie Dern or Verna, they could dominate the other on the ground, and we could just be like, oh, shit. <laughs> but right now, the way I see it is these women are very evenly matched in what they are skillful at. So then it comes down to on the feet. Let's be honest. We have not seen Mackenzie Dern be on the feet very often. No. she's She has progressed each 
fight. However, again, she gets to the ground so quickly that you and just don't get to Truthfully, see we haven't seen a ton from Jandaroba either. Rebus she... was Dern's biggest test on the yeah. feet, and Rebus won. Yes. For what that's worth. And for Jandaroba, her one loss was to Esparza, who is a more of a wrestling type. Yeah, right, right. Rather than a jiu-jitsu type, which is interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's interesting that it makes me wonder if, uh, is she really, you know, like as great as she is, is her jiu-jitsu really, I'm trying to think of how to word this, like, when Carla, because it's hard for me to kind of remember these fights very clearly, but for Jandaroba, she got beat pretty easily by Esparza. Mm-hmm. Asparza, I, from what I remember, was keeping top position for a lot of that fight. Shandaroba not able to be as active off her back as you would hope out of someone who's so exceptional mm-hmm. at jiu-jitsu. So if Dern is able to be on top, does that lead to a lot of problems for Jandaroba and being able to have any sort of offense? Right. I'm going to stick with Jandaroba, though. I'm going to go by decision, and I think that this fight does, for the most part... <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a weird fight, honestly, because I can't even fathom these two women yeah, standing so for 15 excited minutes. For this, dude. But I think that in my head, I feel like I've seen more from Janaroba in the stand up than Mackenzie Dern. Right. And therefore, I think that she's going to have the advantage there. And whether Dern is. Dern probably is slightly better at jiu jitsu if you really want to compare. Break it down real and. Yeah. But is it enough to where she can truly get the fight there? Because the fight always starts on the feet. It's true. That's that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I'm going Dern decision. I, I couldn't call a finish, I thought you were going to call a finish. I, I couldn't do it because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, this I is... don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I am so excited to see yeah, what the hell is going to happen. I, I don't know. Dern it really is a superstar in the making, in my opinion, for mm-hmm. these women's weight classes right now. Young star, up and coming, 27 years old. Potential to be a mom champ. She's got her baby. Um, very marketable, tons of sponsors, just a big name, and fun to watch. It's so fun to watch these great jiu-jitsu practitioners here. And for Verna, if she were to come out here and beat Dern, especially if it's convincingly, you're skyrocketed through this division. So, huge fight here. We've got, again, Dern's number 11 right now, Verna's number 13. Big, big fight here to determine who cracks that top 10 next. And really, honestly, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'll say this again on Monday. It makes sense that the winner of this would fight Michelle Watterson, being that she just got pulled out of her nice. fight in January. I like that. So, that's it right here. Mystic Dom coming in on the third fight of the main card. <laughs> yeah, that, that this is, man, the more we break down this main card, I'm just... This is a great card. No matter what, how each oh. fight goes or how they win, I feel like we're just going to be shocked at anything happening. Yeah, this is awesome. And I'm not ready to do this co-main. So that's why to, I was stalling. I'm, I was yeah, stalling. I'm Keep going. Uh, did you drink any coffee today? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely weather we're having. It's supposed to rain. This so weekend. what's up with that airline food? <laughs> Co-main event time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just rip off the band-aid. Let's get into it. Lightweight action. Tony Ferguson, El Kikui versus Charles DeBronx, Oliveira. Kikui, DeBronx, Boogeyman, DeBronx. I, I don't know what DeBronx stands <laughs> for. So. <laughs> I'm not... I don't... I uh, read, read the notebook. <clears throat> Tony Ferguson, <laughs> 25 wins, 4 losses, 12 KOTKOs, 8 submissions. Are you ready to hear his UFC record? Oh, let's hear it. 15 wins, 
two losses. <laughs> Never gotten an undisputed title shot. All one, right, one of, the, one of those losses to Michael Johnson. Yeah, we're gonna get into that one. <laughs> notable wins first. You ever heard of Eve's Edwards now? Eve Edwards, of course. Yeah, yeah. Unanimous decision victory way back when. That's when a way, that's, first that's a blast from the past. Then we get into the big names here. Edson Barboza, submission, an incredible fight. All of Tony's fights are very bloody, by the way. Lando Venata, submission. Unanimous decision victory over RDA. A submission victory over Kevin Lee to claim the interim lightweight championship. TKO'd Anthony Pettis. That was via Dr. Stoppage. Then TKO'd Cowboy Cerrone. Also via Dr. Stoppage. Because Tony Ferguson slices and dices you like a damn chef. <laughs> Notable losses. As Noah said, Michael Johnson. I, you know, no disrespect, but it's just like Michael Johnson just has that weird thing where he's beaten like three of the best fighters ever. Yeah, the roller coaster career that is Michael Johnson. Yes. And just recently in May for the interim championship again, got TKO'd in round number five via, or via, by Justin Gaethje after damn near knocking Justin Gaethje's head into the stands there in Jacksonville, Florida early on in that fight. Tony Ferguson was unbeaten. From October 19th of 2013 until June 8th of 2019. That was a 12-fight win streak. It's five and a half years. Yes. 12 fights in a row. Nine of his 20 victories have came in the first round. All Tony Ferguson knows is violence. On the blue corner side of the octagon, Charles Oliveira getting his due. Right here, right now on Saturday night. 29 wins, 8 losses, 8 KOTKOs, 19 submissions. That's Hello. a record. Hello. 16 wins, 8 losses, 1 no contest in the UFC. For those of you that don't know who the hell Charles Oliveira is, he's been in the organization since 2010 when he was 20 years old. Put some respect on his Put name. Put some respect on Charles Oliveira. Y'all name. gonna learn today. Notable wins. UFC debut, Darren the Damage Elkins. Mm-hmm. What a debut. Yeah, really. Well, you know what he did, though? What Submitted him. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot of that in this breakdown. He got a unanimous decision victory over Jeremy Stevens. Submitted Nick Lentz. Also has TKO'd Nick Lentz. Also has a no contest with Nick Lentz. <laughs> Submitted Miles Jury. Submitted Clay Guida. Submitted Jim Miller. K.O. Jared Gordon submitted Kevin Lee. Notable losses. He's been in there with them all. Listen to this resume. Jim Miller, submission. They fought each other twice. He got TKO'd by uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Got KO'd by Cub Swanson, as we mentioned earlier. He's lost the unanimous decision to Frankie Edgar. He's been TKO'd by the Blessed Express, Max Holloway. Submitted by Anthony Pettis. Submitted by Ricardo Lamas. And TKO'd by Mr. Paul Felder. Charles Oliveira has 14 first-round finishes. He is on a seven-fight win streak, all seven, via finish. That's insane in itself. He's the all-time leader in submission victories in the UFC. Hence why I said record when you mentioned submissions. 14 submission wins. The second closest is 11. That's a pretty significant uh, lead. Also is tied with Cowboy Cerrone... For the most finishes in UFC history with a chance to beat it this weekend against Tony Ferguson with 16 total finishes. 
Y'all know who Charles Oliveira is now? I hope you never forget again. But. <laughs> here's the problem. He's got one thing standing in his way of all this greatness. Listen, kids are scared of the boogeyman. Well, I'm fucking scared of the boogeyman. The boogeyman checks under his fucking bed for Tony Ferguson at night. <laughs> This is true. This is true. This fight is fight of the night. This fight is bloody. This fight is violent. This fight is getting finished in round three via submission by... Tony Ferguson. Wow, you switched it. You switched it. Listen, man. I love Oliveira. I'm so happy. You were telling you were telling me Oliveira. And, uh, I feel like that was just that yes, was, just a couple days ago. You know, I ago. like the ramble. You do like the ramble. That was some of it. <laughs> I had to sit down today for ten minutes. Smacked yourself a little bit. Yeah, and really just think about this. And if you if you take notice here on all those notable losses by Oliveira, he may be a submission machine, but he gets submitted a lot too. <laughs> yes, and. Ferguson is so well-rounded, so good everywhere. This fight is going to be absolutely beautiful. Beautiful chaos. But Tony's going to get the job done. Tony's going to say, y'all forget who the fuck I am? Because I got a loss to Justin Gaethje when I almost beat him in the second round? What about that 12-5 win streak I was just on? And that interim belt? And when I was going to fight Habib 18 times, but it just never happened. This is Tony Ferguson, people. Hey, he basically said as much, too. Just a couple days ago, he said, Tony Ferguson fuck a, y'all. Tony Ferguson is coming into this fight with such a huge chip on his shoulder, and that played the biggest factor for me. That right there. Point to prove here this Saturday night. Again, happy for Oliveira. He's so deserving of this. But my God. The boogeyman. All right, I think you need to take a break. I'm going to take a break. Go ahead. I need a drink. My mouth's I mean, I don't even know how to follow that up. I Yeah. You, you, you just... <laughs> I mean, you said really... For the most part, all that needs to be said. I mean, yeah, this fight is going to be fight of the night, in my opinion. Oh, this fight's so awesome. This is the opportunity I've been wanting for Oliveira. Yep. That top five guy. That high-profiled matchup. He's co-maining a pay-per-view card with Tony Ferguson. I never thought this was going to happen. Just a couple months ago, he was booked to fight... Benil Dariush, right? Yes, he was. And now we love Benil Dariush. But Benil Dariush was ranked right outside the top ten. Now Oliveira's going up against the number three, right? Tony Ferguson. I think he's third, yeah. This is... Sorry, go ahead. And he's co-maining a pay-per-view. So, what an opportunity here. But if I want to break down how I see these fight, this fight stylistically, right? So first off, Oliveira making his debut around 10 years ago. He's 31 now. He was a young kid coming in. A guy who was exceptional at jiu-jitsu, but was so remedial when it came to the stand-up. And that that happens. But the progression we have seen. But the progression we've seen. Because I always forget that that Kevin Lee win was by submission due to the work he did on the feet to get it there. And... Tony's just so well-rounded. He's not necessarily a power striker by any means, but the punches and bunches oh. that the um, the output he is just on it. people up. The pressure. Oh. And that right there is the difference. In all of Oliveira's losses, for the most part, I don't want to say all of them, in many of his losses, what you see is 
when Oliveira is pressured, when he's put on his bike, when he is backing up, he can welt under that pressure. And I see this fight going somewhat similar to another Tony Ferguson fight against Anthony Pettis. A fight where Anthony looked really good at times, even mm-hmm. hurt Tony at times. God, that fight was awesome. It was awesome. But you saw Tony able to keep moving forward, keep he, landing those elbows. He's unbelievable. He just, he literally, he was like, yeah, go ahead, hit me. He's hit not me. human, man. He's like, hit me. <laughs> Anthony's hitting him. He's not going down. And then Tony lands an elbow over the top, and Anthony's like, oh, that wouldn't really hurt. <laughs> and you just saw him welt under that pressure. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I'm truly happy to see Oliveira get this opportunity. I wish so badly to give him a win here. However, I also love Tony Ferguson and want to see him get a win. I don't want to see either of these guys lose, but the way I see it realistically is a three-round war. But these get, you know, Tony doesn't have many losses, but Oliveira don't go to the decision very often, yeah. especially in a loss. Yeah. So I think Tony gets the third-round TKO finish. I think it's going to be a very similar looking fight to that of him versus Pettis. That's the way I envision this fight be going longer. Pettis, I'm, you know, broke his arm and stuff. I'm just smiling. Like, I think this fight. Oh. Hopefully it lives up, you know. You never know. You never know. I don't want to put too much expectation on it. But I just think that the potential for this matchup, these guys are so similar in certain ways. If it's you're just, Oliveira here, you're thinking if you come out here and beat Ferguson, you're up next. You, I know he's outside looking in when you look at this division. Maybe another Leon Edwards situation. But damn, man, this would be eight in a row, especially if he finishes that shit and makes it eight in a row all via finish. Yeah. That is such an amazing stat to me that he has seven straight finishes. Yeah. Either way, this is a star-making performance for Oliveira. And for Ferguson, it's a way to say, I have not gone anywhere. Yeah, and I just want to point out that even though I predicted Tony to win and finish the fight, I think Oliveira's going to look great. Oliveira can win the I fight. think you're going to see late second and then third round. I think Tony's going to come on, yeah. keep coming, and I think you're going to see Oliveira mm. just start to back down and kind of whittle away a little Ferguson bit. just has that pace where you're when you're sitting and watching as a fan, you get literally uncomfortable and like anxious watching it and i think the big question that everybody has going in here and maybe i should have said this on the top for tony if this fight was booked a year ago or so or even really just before the gaichi fight i feel like we would have no question that tony would win this even with Oliveira's achievements and i think that plays a lot into why ferguson's so So pissed right now. that's what i'm getting at is the question is, is Ferguson still Tony Ferguson? That loss with Gaethje, while he looked good at points and, and it was a great fight, he took, he took a beating. It was brutal. Finished on his feet. It was bad. He was shaking his head, yeah. like trying to get the cobwebs. Oh, it was kind of really it was disturbing a little getting, bit. Oh. The fact that he even took those shots from Gaethje that no other human being mm-hmm. has ever done. And he's 37. Dude, and he did it for five rounds. And he's 37. So he's got a lot of fight years under his belt. That's the question, right? Those shots are going to play a factor. That's the question here. Mm. Because to me, if Tony Ferguson is still Tony Ferguson, then this is the way the fight's going to go. But if we see someone who, a Tony that's not the same fighter, then Charles Oliveira could end up making a big statement here. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where we'll leave that. 
Are you telling we, me we still have to do a main event? <laughs> we still have to do a title? We already broke these this guys down. This is kind down. of flying by. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But that last one really took a lot out of us. Listen. Main event time. We're not going to break this down. Just go listen to 255 breakdown. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We want to break it down. Men's flyweight title. Back to back. Back to back. Drake. <laughs> Alexa. Play back to back by Drake. <laughs> Davis, I don't, I don't have an Alexa. <laughs> uh, damn it, <laughs> Davis and Figueredo. Yes, versus Brandon Moreno, who everybody kind of wanted to see be challenging for the belt at two fifty five. I did. Yeah, me, I me, agree. Me. Uh, instead, he fought Alex Perez. Got a pretty swift submission win over Perez. Perez, I'd say hey, so. Perez, you know he he did his thing, but it was a very quick fight. Now you get the matchup that really probably should have happened. Oh. Three weeks later. So, we're not really going to talk about what if one of these guys can't make weight. You know, Davison being probably the bigger question. Yeah, I'm not even going to speak it into the yeah, atmosphere. We're just going to talk about the fight as it is right now. So, here's here's the good thing about this. Yeah. I didn't have to rewrite everything because my 255 notes were only a couple of pages <laughs> before. So, I didn't have to rewrite. Right. Davison, the reigning defending men's flyweight champion, is now 20-1 and one with nine KOTKOs, eight submissions. He's 9-1 in the UFC. Notable wins over John Moraga, TKO, Tim Elliott, submission, Joseph Benavides twice, both by rated TVMA finishes. No, I'm just kidding. TKO, then submission. And then you can now add Alex Perez to that list via first-round submission. In his first title defense, the only loss on Figueredo's record is Juicier Formiga via unanimous decision. Davison is now on a five-fight win streak here. He's got 10 first-round finishes. Brandon Moreno, 18 wins, 5 losses, 1 draw. He's got 3 KOTKOs, 10 submissions. He's 6-2-1 in the UFC. Notable wins over Luis Smolka, who just fought this past Saturday. Uh, beat him via submission. He got a split decision over Ryan Benoit. Got a unanimous decision over Kai Kara France. And has beaten the only person to beat Davison and Juicier Formiga via unanimous decision. And then, of course, to add on to that, three weeks ago as well at UFC 255, and the prelim headliner against Brandon Raw Dog, Roy Val, beat him in the first round, at the very, very end of the first round, uh, via TKO due to some unforeseen issues with Brandon's shoulder. However, Moreno looked great in that fight. I don't want to take anything away from him. Notable losses, he's lost to now Bellator flyweight contender Sergio Pettis via unanimous decision, and then also has lost to Alexandre Pantoja via unanimous decision. Uh, Davison has already also beaten Pantoja. I did forget to put that into his notable win category. Listen, man. Great fight here. Mm -hmm. Moreno's on a three-fight win streak. All against top-tier guys. Getting the title shot, he... Deserves. Getting the title shot he deserves. It's well. So overdue. really, even if you put an asterisk with the Roy Val fight because of Roy Val's shoulder popping out of place, it doesn't matter. He still earned the title shot before yeah, that, and 100%. he looked good. It's not like he looked bad in the Roy Val fight up to, up until that point. He he was winning the fight in that round. Hundred percent. We've got you know Brazil versus Mexico here. Moreno, the very first Mexican-born UFC fighter to challenge for a title, and of course has the opportunity to become the first Mexican-born UFC champion. But... Now, hold on. Okay. Now, hold on. okay. Okay, okay, okay. I admire that yeah. for Moreno. 
he spoke a lot about how Mexico has, where he was from in Mexico, he grew up and it was dominated by boxing. Mm -hmm. And he wants to be that guy to take that belt back home and he can show those kids that are rising up that want to be, you know, that are training that like, this is a route too. And he wants to be kind of that poster boy. And Moreno, for, a very wrestle-heavy grapple guy. And the you UFC, know, not that boxer. And, you know, for the UFC, as they've been giving Davison every opportunity to be a star here, and he's really capitalizing. There's potential with Moreno. For Moreno, yeah, yeah. the UFC has also shown a just – they just seem – it seems like every time they have this golden opportunity to break into that Mexican market, something happens and it falls through. Cain Velasquez – one of the best heavyweights ever. They have that huge pay-per-view where he was headlining against Fabricio Verdum. What happens? He didn't train at altitude. Fabricio it, beats him. Yeah. Then you got a guy like Yair Rodriguez, who is just an exceptional talent and prospect, but there's just these issues that mm-hmm. keep getting in the way, including but not limited to Right now, he's serving a six-month suspension for not updating his location on his app for USADA. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Regardless, this fight is great. I'm very excited for it. But now I'm going to... And I'll let you take it away there with the butt. Davison is an absolute savage. He's terrifying. Terrifying. He's the biggest guy in the 125-pound division... He's got all the momentum right now in the world. There's not a 125-pounder on this roster that will beat Davison. And that is including, but not limited to... Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno. I'm going with a second-round submission. Uh, I'm going Davison via second round. KO, TKO. I think he wants to put a beating on Moreno, according to all these interviews I've been seeing. (laughs) He's, you know, he's like, well, Moreno called me out, and he's going to regret this. I'm going to knock him out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> he predicted to submit Perez uh, in man, his last fight. And the more and more I see this Moreno kid, I love this guy. Super yeah. enthusiastic, nerdy like myself. I can relate to that. And just yeah. family man, two daughters, lovely wife, lives out there in Vegas. Again, the, the Mexican lifestyle, the Latin America on his back to become the champion. But you can't ask for a tougher challenge. True. Unfortunately, I applaud him. I applaud both of these gentlemen, as a matter of fact, for doing this on three weeks' notice. Saving, and I don't want to say saving, but putting a title fight on this card, being the last pay-per-view of the year, is huge. So the fact that they were able to do that is fantastic. This is historical for many reasons, and it's great that we get to see the flyweight division on notice, two straight pay-per-views, three weeks apart from one another. We've got a star in the making here as the champion in Davison. And I think after Saturday, he's just going to continue to catapult up that mountain. Yeah, that that's a great way to put and it. And still. Um, the only reason that I see this fight going to a second round, this is no slight on Moreno. I just think Davison is that great. He's so good that you just can't think he's going to go five rounds anymore. But the only reason I see it going mm-hmm. to a second round, instead of saying like a first round, because that's really where I was thinking. Yeah is the fact that he's making a second weight cut in one month. And I just want to remind everybody, Davison walks around at 165 pounds. Yes. That means he cuts 
a quarter of his weight total yeah. weight yeah. to make 125. Now, is that how much he cut for this fight? I would assume not. I, hopefully he didn't balloon all the way back no, up. It sounds like they probably kept him at a very manageable weight. I, I saw on Twitter, and I think it was on Ariel's show, at his last fight against Perez, the title defense, on fight night, he weighed in, or he was weighing 143 pounds. So he put 18 pounds back on. So I would say he was probably cutting from like 150. I, yeah, I think that would be a safe Which, assumption. Which, considering he's never missed by like a ton, yeah, I think that means and, and, we'll be pretty safe. And I think there. the UFC keeping him in, in Las Vegas with their nutritional team at that PI, you know they were with him 24-7, keeping yeah. that nutrition on point. Fingers crossed. Again, we're doing this on Thursday night. Weigh-ins happen in the morning. Fingers crossed everything goes well here. We get this fantastic card. Headlined by a fantastic main event. Fantastic co-main. Top to bottom. This is one of the most stacked pay-per-views all year. And uh, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. So excited. Yeah. So that's, that's it. That is our preview for this card. And our very first predictions. Fight predictions brought to you by, of course... Our friends at Verdict MMA. Thank you to Verdict MMA. Thank you to Anchor, our two best friends. And thank you to all of you listening at home this afternoon, this morning, this evening, Mm -hmm. next week, whenever you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you. Thanks for being on the ride with us. Thank you for being you. 2021 is going to be fun. Now, Dominic. Now, Noah. I'm going to talk a little bit about next week. All right. Because Monday, we'll obviously be recapping all the action. This is true. That happens on Saturday. This is true. All eight fights that we talked about. We'll even check in on some of those other fights we didn't mention. I want to talk maybe maybe about Chase Hooper, depending on how he does. True. Youngest fighter in the UFC. True. We've got a Bellator title fight to cover on Monday. that's true. Uh, Lima Lane McFarlane. Yep. Making a big defense. But then Friday. Another preview episode. It's the biggest fight night. Uh, it's one of the biggest fight nights ever. Yeah. I said this. <laughs> I said this about Covington Woodley. I said Covington Woodley's card was the biggest fight night ever. Then the UFC had to go and do this one. And then they did this one. And this is, by the way, without Leon and Hamzat. Yeah. This is still the card. I don't know if it's better than that one now, but because of losing Leon mm-hmm. and uh, Hamzat, but it's. What a way to end the year on this card. Just give him a couple. Just okay. a little sneak peek. Anthony Pettis, Alex Morano. Hello. Wheaties box. Marcin Tibura, Greg Hardy. Big boys. Marlon Marais, Rob Font. Oh, boy. Michelle Pereira, Chaos Williams. Night, night. Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera. Oh, that's fun. Headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal. Mm, mm, mm. What a card. mm <clears throat> UFC going out big in 2020. This huge pay-per-view this weekend. Then UFC Vegas 77 (laughs) next weekend. Um, It's going to be fun next couple weeks to finish out 2020. 100%. But until then, Dom, tell the people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at dcelie14. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at baj underscore MMA podcast, and you can now find our new friends, Verdict MMA, at Verdict MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to go follow them. Download the link. I'm telling you, this app, download the link. Download the app. This app makes fight nights 
even more fun than they already are. Yeah. It really is. The scoring of the fights, seeing if your predictions are right, so much fun. Shout out Verdict. Woo! All right, Noah, take it away. <laughs> and as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media. So the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. And we're going to see y'all on 